Well, hello everyone. It's nutritional chef Michael from DrInAmission.com here. How are you doing today, wherever you are in the world? Thank you for joining me here live. And hey, you know, I'm going to repurpose this and record it and put it out there on YouTube and Instagram TV. So if you're not here live and you're seeing it unlive or recorded, great to see you unlive. Uh, so reclaim your health. That's what you're here for. That's what we're going to talk about. Few disclaimers this is live. So if somewhere along the way you see something misspelled or my writing's just not perfect or whatever, hey, don't worry about it because we are live. Uh, I may stumble off a, over a couple words, off a couple words, there you go, right away. <laughs> so uh, I am not going to edit it. If it is a recording, I'm you know, not into that. We're, this is live. We're going to stick with being live. So. That's our disclaimer for today, alrighty? So away we go. So, you know, here, reclaim your kitchen. Well, what are we gonna be doing? We're gonna be talking about how to reclaim your kitchen back from the food industry. And we're gonna get into the history of that a little bit later on and talk about well, what the heck is that all about? What do you mean reclaim our kitchen? Well, what do we do at reclaim your kitchen? Reclaim your kitchen is about cooking inexpensive, quick, simple, elegant, tasty, and healthy, oh yeah, and it can be healthy, food in your home or wherever you may be. It's about reclaiming that kitchen back, reclaiming your nutrition back, reclaiming your health back, and we're going to get into that. So I do, from time to time, I am going to look at my notes. I'm going to check on those, but you know, for some of you, you might not who know who I am and uh, who is this guy. I mean, what's he, you know, what's he here for? What's he talking all about? Well, my background and a little bit about my wife here at Doctor on the Mission, DrOnTheMission.com. You can look us up all over the web, wherever, social media and our website. We'll talk about that later. But at DrOnTheMission.com, it's my beautiful wife, Dr. Isabel. She is a functional medicine doctor and I am the nutritional chef. Now, where do I come in on this? Well, my background is kind of twofold. For about 25 years, I was a professional chef. And I was an executive chef in restaurants, private country clubs, large hotels. I was trained at the California Culinary Academy in San Francisco. So I had that very exclusive, um, you know, culinary background. But what another part that happened along the way is I became blessed and we were blessed with two beautiful daughters. And I was blessed with the opportunity to be the at-home parent, the at-home dad, whatever you want to call it, but I was the person at home uh, with the kids during the day. Now, what an amazing, amazing experience. We have such amazing daughters, and what a great time that was for me. But here's the thing. I thought because of my culinary background that, oh, this is going to be easy for me. Uh, I mean, I know how to cook. I'm a chef. This is going to be easy. Well, you know what? I found out very quickly that little kids could really care less about your culinary skills. Um, they just want some good food. And what I didn't know at the time was this started to change my thought process because now I wasn't just looking at it as a job and a career. I was looking at it from a parent's eyes and almost like, I might, I can be honest with you, up until that point, I wasn't really taking care of my health, my nutrition, 
I wasn't, you know, I mean, my habits were poor. I can honestly tell you at the time, uh, I mean, this is so probably 10, 15, 20 years ago, but probably up to 20 years ago, I was maybe 15 kgs or 30 pounds heavier than I am now. I had no body weight. Uh, I'll be 61 in uh, a couple months. That could be surprising to you. Uh, hopefully it's good surprising. <laughs> but um, according to my wife, I look younger now than I did back then because I was stressed out, overworked, uh, and my nutrition habits were very, very poor. So as a parent, all of a sudden I started looking at our daughters going, uh, you know what, I'm responsible for how their nutrition is and how they grow up and what their health is going because right now they can't make those decisions. They're too young to make those decisions and there's somebody else making those decisions and that somebody else is the food companies. And we're going to talk again about that history as we get going. So to bring this, the story forward, basically what I ended up doing is marrying my uh, desire to learn about nutrition and my background as being a, a culinary chef. And so now, here at Doctor and Mission, I'm the nutritional chef. I help people create their their food plans, their eating lifestyles. Well, I don't, we don't call it diets. I call it an eating lifestyle because for Isabel and I, we have an eating lifestyle. This isn't, we're not on a diet that this is what we do for a year or a month or two weeks or whatever, whatever it may be. We are on an eating lifestyle. This is what we do. We call it a lifestyle. And so we don't really get into the word diets. And so what I do, I help people create their eating lifestyle around maybe where they were, where they are now, and where they are headed in life and what they're looking to achieve. So now, what is my food philosophy? A lot of people have asked me that. And here's my answer. It's a three-word answer, actually. It's called one ingredient food. Now, like, what? Where the heck did that come from? Well, I can't lay claim to fame to that. A beautiful young lady named Heather, who, shout out to Heather, if you're out there somewhere in the world, we know you are, but if you happen to ever listen to this, um, she was one of our students, amazing, amazing student, um, middle-aged woman, uh, bottom line is she was into pre-diabetes and moving into type 2 diabetes very quickly and through our coaching and her very hard work, so the, the, her success, it all goes to her, is that she reversed it. She reversed her type 2 diabetes and now very healthy. She's teaching her family how to live healthy. But she coined that phrase to me. She goes, I, I asked her something, you know, well, what's been the biggest thing for you? What's the biggest thing you've taken out as you move through this? And she said, well, Mike, you got me to start reading labels on food. I never read labels on food. I never knew that we needed to, to read labels. And I started reading labels and noticed all the ingredients. So I decided, well, I'm just going to have one ingredient food. I was like, well, okay, what do you mean by that? She said, well, I eat carrots. I eat cucumbers. I eat tomatoes, um, you know, I have lettuce, I have rocket or arugula, whatever you want to call it, spinach, romaine or cos lettuce, you know, um, corsets, zucchinis, eggplants, one ingredient food, and now that's what she is, so she, basically she's eating real food, and so, you know, we hear about ketogenic diets, paleo diets, Mediterraneans, so this is and that's, and all these different ones, well, you know what, when you actually get people who believe in all those different areas together, pretty much 
90% of the bottom line of it is a plant-based, one-ingredient food diet. And then there's differences on, you know, what the proteins might be. Do you have fish? Don't you have fish? Do you eat eggs? Don't you have dairy, gluten, whatever you might do. But the bottom line is, for a healthy eating lifestyle, our philosophy is let's just get you eating more real food, one-ingredient food, and let's start getting rid of the stuff with multiple and multiple and multiple ingredients, okay? So that's, that's really what our food philosophy is all about. Now, I'm going to get into the history about um, why I'm talking about reclaiming your kitchen. We're going to be talking about, in, in recent times, how we have gotten to where we are and what has happened with our eating habits through society. Here's an interesting fact for you to think about is... The, the largest billion-dollar food companies in the world, most are owned by another industry. What industry do you think that might be? Did you say the tobacco industry? You're right. Well, most billion-dollar food industries in the world have been bought up by the tobacco industry over the last 20 to 30 years. Why? Well... You know, whether we like it or not, it was smart of them. In the 80s and 90s, what started happening, uh, we started understanding so much more about cigarette smoking, tobacco smoking. The sales started plummeting, lawsuits all over the world, all the commercials, the packaging, it was going negative. They saw it coming. It's like, oh, well, let's see, what else is addictive out there? Oh, how about sugar and salt in food? Maybe we can go for that. Well, they have. So um, just so you know, that's a little bit of a change in who owns what around the world, okay? So now let's get into the history. I am going to check my notes, and I am going to be keeping an eye on my watch, so I keep us moving along because I know you guys are crazy busy people out there in the world. All righty. So let's get into the history of food. Now, a lot of this, hey, if, you know, if you're a fact checker, well, help yourself out. You know what? These are roundabouts, okay? <laughs> but there are some amazing books out there. I find them very dry uh, because they are clinical. Uh, they are fact-filled. It's not fun stories. But if you want to get some history on what we're talking about, you can get a book called Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss. Fantastic book. The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Tinkles. However you say that. Sorry, Nina, if I messed that up. Here's another fantastic one by Robert Lustig, MD, Fat Chance, and there's other ones like that. These, are, these books are more of the research-oriented, um, technical-type books, so you know what? You don't want to read the whole thing. I've done a little bit of synopsis to help us out, okay? A little lemon water. Got to have it. Okay, so let's get into it. I'm going to talk about three different areas. We're going to talk about convenience or what's called convenience foods. We're going to talk about soda pop and the soda industry, and we're going to talk about the fast foods industry. Okay, let's go over here first and talk about convenience foods. Now, from the 1880s to the 1940s, food really didn't have added sugar. Uh, even packaged food, really, cereals came out in the late 1800s. It didn't have added sugars, and if it did have some, it was just a little. Not like we know of today, where the modern-day cereals basically have anywhere of up to 
50, 50 some to 56% sugar in them. I mean, anywhere between, you know, 20 to 50 some percent of that product is sugar. Think about that. That is amazing. So up until about the 1940s, that wasn't happening. Now in 1949, uh, there was a marketing guru, I forget his name, um, it's in the book, but you know, you can look it up. He worked for one of the big companies and he realized, well, let's just add some sugar into those cereals. So we have stuff like all of a sudden sugar frosted flakes, cocoa puffs, all these different cereals that started. So between 1949 and 1951, all of a sudden uh, cereals had sugar in them, high content, up to 50% of it was uh, sugar. So now, cereals are more like candy, you know? I mean, there is a big shift there. So what happened? So as I run through this process, these convenience foods, and I'm just kind of talking about cereals, but that was with everything, all the packaged foods, the canned foods, all of a sudden in this like period around 1950-ish, 49 to 51, early 50s, these food companies started adding the sugars and salts in because this, during this period, 49 to 51, the sales of, of these products, of these cereals, exploded. And these companies went off, and they started making huge profits. And guess what? The gold rush was on. Or we could say the sugar rush was on, the salt rush was on. All of a sudden, man, it was just, they were like, wow, this is amazing. And then the cereal lines came, and all this, I mean, it just kept pouring out with all this stuff. So all of a sudden, over here, if you can't read it, I've written new normal. Because now, as you're growing up here, or you come into this, because we have this now today, this is creating, all of this, as I run through it, is creating the new normal for our eating habits. Now, what else happened? In the 1950s, there's a thing called home economics teachers. Well, home ec teachers, especially in the U.S., but other parts of the world, they're teachers who would be in your school uh, we're in New Zealand, we actually have them here, but in your schools, they would teach you how to cook from scratch in your kitchen. And uh, leading up into the 1950s, it was all teaching from scratch. Well, guess what happened? In the 1950s, some of these large food companies actually started hiring the home ec teachers and putting them in the schools. They put them into institutions as far as colleges, universities, high schools, teaching the home ec classes. And here, another thing was created. Betty Crocker. Have you ever heard of the name Betty Crocker? Well, in 1926, Betty Crocker was created. Now, just to understand, Betty Crocker was fictitious. There is no actual Betty Crocker. There's movies about it. People portrayed her on TV and commercials and this and that. But Betty Crocker was not a real person. It was created by, I believe it was General Mills, one of the foods companies. And then there's all these lines of cookbooks of Betty Crocker. But what did Betty Crocker do? It was this wonderful woman at home, the grandma type one who taught us how to cook. But what she taught us how to cook came out of a box. And you can still see that line in supermarkets today, the Betty Crocker line. So what did the home ec teachers do? They were teaching how to use the Betty Crocker products in the home ec classes, how to cook food. So all of a sudden, there was a shift in the 50s and 60s, and as it moved on, there was less and less of these home ec teachers actually cooking from scratch. They were using the packaged products to show people how to cook.
So you can see where the shift was moving there. Okay, let's talk soda pop in the middle. I'm going to get this moving along because I see what time it is, and I know you guys got stuff on, okay? Soda pop, or you can call it, you know, whatever kind, Coke, Pepsi, um, all the different names around the world, whatever soda pop you want to call it. Here's the big start of it. In World War II, Coke, again, these guys are smart. In World War II, Coke offered every service person around the world, and of course this was for the Allies, so depending on where, you know, who, what fight, your side you were fighting on, but this was for the Allies. Um, Coke offered five cents a bottle um, for every serviceman and woman around the world. So they could get it for five cents a bottle. I think it was double or triple that for everybody else. So what happened after the war was over? They were all addicted to Coke because that's what they drank the whole war because that was the cheapest thing they could get. So they created, uh, after World War II, a whole generation addicted to soda pop, basically. Because, you know, when I say Coke, you can put in Pepsi or, you know, Mountain Dews, Dr. Peppers, all the stuff around the world, Fantasy, you know, all these different names, Sprite, 7-Ups. So I'm just talking about soda pop. But by two, the year 2000, and we're talking like westernized civilization, two of three people and were drinking one liter a day of soda pop. That's where it went to. But it started back in here with a move, a marketing move by those guys, and it just, boom, exploded over the next 50 years. Basically, we're looking at what's happened over the last 50 to 60 years with our nutrition. Fast foods, let's take a look, take a look, take a look at those guys. All right, McDonald's, 1948. Burger King started 1959. Let me switch sides here. Burger King, 1959, KFC, 1952, Domino's, Domino's Pizza, 1967. Here in, and that's in America, here in, in Australia in the 60s and 70s is when those all moved in. And in New Zealand, the 1970s is when all that moved in, okay? So you can see the time frame of all when all this stuff started happening, okay? So let's now, I'm going to make a... We're going to get rid of that, okay? So you can really see there, when you look at the time frame of what was going on with things like convenience foods. Oh, a couple clips here. You can see what was going on there with convenience foods, soda pop, fast foods. So what's happened? Well, when those companies made that switch to start putting sugars in the food, now the companies, but not you, decided how much sugar you're intaking. Because people say to me all the time, oh, but Mike, I don't add any sugar to anything. I'm like, well, guess what? They've already done it, man. I mean, if you're adding sugar, holy cow, I can't imagine how much you're getting. Because in everything from mayonnaise to a ketchup bottle to, you know, I'm just talking about cereals, but it's everything. You know, even yogurts, all that kind of supposedly healthy stuff. The companies have decided how much sugar you got, not you. They took that decision away from you about 50 years ago. And then they created this thing, this saying that fat was the villain. So they created this other great thing called low-fat foods. So now sugar and salt were added because they needed the flavor. All right, so why am I bringing all that? Well, here's the question. 
How has that worked for society over the last 50 years? You know what? You might not like this statement, but this is the fact. We are the human experiment for the last 50 years in food. That's what's happened. That's the bottom line, guys. We have become the food experiment for the food companies for the last 50 years. All right? So let's look at just some facts here so we understand that this has not worked. Obesity rates, and again, I'm talking about the westernized civilization here, uh, and, and some countries are more than others. Some countries are less. We're just kind of averaging out. Obesity rates have tripled in the last 50 years. Diabetes, back around 1950, they around 2 to 5% of populations in westernized country had diabetes. Now it's around 20 to 25% of any given country has, has diabetes. Uh, what's that, a 10, you know, anywhere between uh, at least a 10 times fold? Uh, ADHD, autoimmune, hey, you know, check out that spelling. I had to add the extra M in there, okay? <laughs> I told you, it's live, man. Go with it. Cardiovascular disease, dementia, Alzheimer's, cognitive decline. You can look up all the stats you want. Dr. Google will give it to you. But they've all skyrocketed and gone through the roof. So tell me that all that stuff we looked at before with the convenience foods and the, and the uh, soda pops and the fast foods, tell me that has worked for society. It has not. It's killing us. So how's that for up on the soapbox? <laughs> but that's, and that's why, taking it all full circle, that's why I talk about reclaim your kitchen because that's what's happened. We've lost our kitchen to those guys or going out, our kitchen ends up being at the fast foods and takeaways, okay? So it's not your fault. Here's the, it's not your fault, guys. For most of us, we have been eating sugar, sugary foods and salty foods since we were babies. Um, you know, because we didn't know as a society, this is over the last few generations, we just, you know, there's so much stuff that says it's healthy, it's healthy, you know, but it's not, you know, we're, you know, we're thinking it's healthy, you know, so it's not your fault. We have lots of times people just, you know, they give up and they, and they blame themselves. Well, or, you know what, modern, you know, a lot of health gurus will tell you, well, you're just lady, lazy and you got no desire. Well, it's more than that, folks, because we have been wired. Our brains have been wired to have that sugar and salt intake. We have been wired for decades and generations. So to get that proper nutrition, we got to break some of that wiring. So it's more than just, you know, desire. We've also got to do some rewiring, and that's what we do here at DrTheMission.com. So I wanted to get that out there to you guys today. Share some of that history. See some of the cool things that are going on. You know, and so that's what we do here at Dr. The Mission. Now, hey, if you want to learn more about us, you know, all you got to do is Google us at Dr. The Mission. You can go on the social media anywhere. You go to DrTheMission.com and check us out. We've got a fantastic free download we'd love to offer you there on DrNamission.com. It's nine steps to look and feel up to 15 years younger. 
And you could really do that in 30 days if you follow all the nine steps. And these are not traditional. These are natural. This is not Botoxing and operations and all kinds of stuff. This is naturally looking and feeling younger. I mean, hey, you know, I follow that and uh, hopefully that looks good. <laughs> anyway, it's on the DrDivision.com website. It's free for you guys. We want you to have it just to say thanks for coming by and taking a look at it. So please uh, grab that if you want. And uh, I'd love for you to join me every week. I'm going to be here on Fridays at this time, Fridays noon, New Zealand time. We're going to be in the kitchen sometimes. We'll be on the whiteboard sometimes. We'll be doing some interviews. we got all kind of great things going on here. So join me again next week. Please, please, please share this out to friends and family. Uh, we are not endorsed by anybody. We don't have any endorsement type deals going on. We grow because you help us grow. And, you know, of course, we're always learning, but we grow the crew in the tribe because you help us grow the crew in the tribe. So like us, share us, let your friends know. And we look forward to seeing you again. I'll be here next week to share some more uh, great thoughts about reclaiming your kitchen. All righty. Bye for now. See ya. I'm going to push that button that says...